It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. I'm applauding for myself because I had an epiphany this week. You deserve applause for yourself. Thank you. You Uh, I had an epiphany this week. What was it? That dating is kind of like holding up a mirror to ourselves. Hmm. And when and and whether you like it or not, when you date, you see things in the mirror that you may or may not uh, well, hopefully there it will reflect things back to you. Really? Yes. And because Yes. The mirror lies. No, it does not. It doesn't? No. No. Dating is so much a reflection of who you are and how you feel about yourself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Really? Don't you think? When I look in the mirror? No, not. (laughs) When when people date, they date, they, I mean, right? Don't you think that... It's a reflection you can, on you. you can, hello. You we, can tell so much about someone by their friends, oh. by their family, oh. and by their the people they date. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Good or bad. And today, I just I am so excited for this episode because uh, in my journeys as a podcaster mm-hmm. uh, and a content creator mm. and the mastermind mm-hmm. of done being single, mm-hmm. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not funny. No, that's really not funny. It's the truth. Uh, I come, okay, I come across enough. Enough. I come across a lot of fantastic uh, articles and blogs and and youtube videos and i do a lot of research i mean i'm really combing the internet to put this show together i'm an extremely stable genius i am a stable genius yes you, are. you have to be to do you this have show to. so the point i'm making if you would allow me <laughs> is that we hold up a mi- is that a lot of times, okay? And I'm circling back here, I'm getting around to the point, okay? <laughs> the point is that we date our unresolved issues, and I didn't come up with this idea on my own. I found this topic on Medium, my favorite platform for a lot of the topics that we discuss. Mm-hmm. And I came across a most excellent article by a blogger named Crystal Jackson, whom we have on the show today. We have her? We have her. Oh, that's great. And she's locked up in the closet in there, so <laughs> we will unlock, we'll open the door and get her out in a minute. Okay. But um, uh, we're gonna talk about this. We are going to, we're gonna discuss stopping you from dating your unresolved issues, because I really do believe that we bring into our relationship after relationship after relationship all our unresolved issues. And that has just gotta stop. So give me an example how this applies well you, you, you we know people we see friends and family 
continue to um, gravitate towards the wrong, wrong people and make bad choices. I mean, water seeks its own level, mm. right? Yes. We see it all the time. Same mistake over and over again. Same type. Same, same, uh, same not, problems. Not learning from S- mistakes. Same resolution. Repeating patterns. And you got it. And dating the and same person over and over again and getting the same result. Which is insane. Correct. The definition of insanity. Expecting something to change and it doesn't, of course. Right. So are you, are you with me now? Absolutely. Do you understand I how this it. is so important? I've been guilty of that. You have? Of course. Do tell. No, in the past, you know, when I was dating, you kind of are attracted to something and you you go after it and it it runs its course and you get out of it and then you go after something similar to that. And it runs its course and uh, you get out of it and you go after another thing similar and you say, wait a second, I got to stop this. There's a pattern here that I don't like. When did you discover that pattern? What time is it? How many girlfriends in did you say, what? wait a second oh, here? Oh, this is going back years. Well, okay, so so, so what yeah. was the pattern? What type of woman were you attracted to? Uh, cuckoo birds? Not necessarily cuckoo birds. Nut jobs? No, that came later in life, like in the past five years. Oh, uh, that's very uh, funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Too late now. No, romantic okay. music, please. Oh, no. That's where we're By at. By the way, I just have to say, you, you've used up your sound effect a lot and for the rest of the, the year. I That's know. it. That is it. Okay? I don't that, know why you think this is such a funny uh, topic. It's really not. It's deep. It's serious. It's important. Well, I understand, but it's... Houston, you know, we have a problem. Wait, we... Uh, really? We have a problem, and people are... They are they are taking their unresolved... They're taking their baggage from place to place, from people... What's person to doing me? A lot! I did that. I did that. I, I'm guilty of it until I decided to stop. But it only took me until I was, like, 48, 9. You've had a lot of patterns that you've... Patterns? Repeated. Yes. Totally. I know. You, you've been a fix-it woman. You wanted to fix guys. I wanted to fix them. Uh, first of all, I, I ran. I was like a runaway girlfriend for a long time. Um, and then I decided to get serious. And then they ran. And so it was bad. I had a bad run there for a while. But then, but, but, but you know, and then I, I really bottomed out with one particular boyfriend, which really turned the ship around. Hmm. And uh, I don't, I actually um, sort of think that having a really bad experience can, or one bad relationship that brings you to your knees can really, you know, right? Uh, Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that. And you need to, um, sometimes life, you know, kicks your ass. The universe does it for you when you cannot do it yourself. I, I knew what my patterns were, and I was sick and tired of it. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I decided to do something about it. And it didn't, it wasn't easy, but I did it because I felt like, no, this is, no, I, I deserve better than this. Yes, you do. So. And you got it. I did. I got it. I worked really hard for it. You got but it. But if you girl. keep uh, playing those sound effects, uh, I may change my mind. So anyway, today, okay. So anyway, today, 
uh, we're bringing on Crystal Jackson to talk about her article, Stop Dating Your Unresolved Issues, because it was really a powerful piece for me, and I think it speaks to a lot of people, and I think a lot of you guys listening right now, it's going to resonate. It's just going to resonate, because everyone's guilty of it. You know, we, we do it all the time, and it's not, and it's not just in our um, romantic relationships. It's also at work. It's in our jobs. It's in our friendships. Um, it's super important that, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about the solutions, uh, but self-awareness is everything. And if there's anything you get from listening to Done Being Single, it is the importance of being mindful and self-aware. Okay. Would you say that is right? Of course. I am present. I am mindful. Because, I am self-aware. Okay, great. Because uh, we offer a lot of really great information here, not to toot so. our own horn, but uh, a lot of what we bring to you uh, is really high-quality expert advice that can only really, you can only really put it into practice if you're paying attention. Right! Which I am. I don't know if you are. I am paying attention. Okay. So I think we should bring Crystal on Let's sooner than later, okay? In- introduce our guest. Okay. My pleasure. Crystal Jackson is a former therapist turn writer. Her work has been featured on Medium, Elite Daily, Your Tango, Elephant Journal, and The Good Men Project. Her first novel, Left on Main, will be released by Sands Press on September 30th this of this year coming up crystal jackson welcome to done being single single and forgive my husband <laughs> no thank you so much for having me wait welcome, a round crystal. of applause please oh of course okay now he forgets the sound of no, I didn't. okay okay crystal sorry are you yeah. with us my wife apologizes I am, i'm right here okay you're either rolling your eyes or falling off your chair laughing or neither or it's, it's, I don't it's know. Been a, I, I forgot that I was waiting to speak to you because I was just being entertained. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, that's a good, right? that's a good sign. I, I, yeah, I, that's great. That is a good sign. Sometimes Robbie is really on the uh, effect board, the uh, sound effects board. Sometimes, you know, he's not so much. Today, I don't know. He's got like trigger finger. Okay, Crystal, so tell us, tell us everything. Tell us about your background. Tell us how you, how you became this incredible uh, wealth of information on dating and relationships and being single. And you have two minutes. <laughs> no, you don't. I think, Go. Uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, you kind of become a little bit of a, I don't know, relationship expert from having so many bad ones, which is terrible. Like, it, it feels like that that shouldn't be a thing. But, you know, I started out as a therapist, so I've got the mental health background, and then I ended up transitioning into this into this writing career, and you write what you know. And, and what I knew was, is I made a lot of really bad decisions when it came to dating, and I ended up in these disastrous relationships and just kept getting my heart broken and wondering, like, am I going to keep doing this? You know, and it's like I got married young, and I got divorced with two kids, and then just really didn't know where my life was was going and um, writing is something I've always been drawn to so I started writing about these experiences that I've had and I found all these people really relating to that of being in the dating world and it being this really frustrating process and I mean it had changed a lot by that from the time that I'd gotten married to the time that I got divorced I mean there was online dating and social media and yeah, it was uh, it was a lot so that's it's kind of how I got into it in the first place was just talking about these experiences 
Okay, well, that answers the first question I had was, do you speak from experience? Obviously, you do, because you just, it, it, and this is a very positive way of saying it, it reeks of just pain and personal uh, experience. And I mean, you really just, you know that you have, you've walked the walk. You don't just talk the talk. Yeah, this is directly from my life and not just my life, but from what I'm seeing from, you know, friends and family members going through the same thing is really drawing on those experiences. So then we, we don't keep repeating them. So we learn from what we're doing, but also from each other. Okay, well, we have to take our first break. And uh, we will be back with Crystal Jackson and Trevor and myself right after this. And we're back. So we know that it's you speaking in those articles, which I love because it's so it's so personal and intimate and authentic. Tell us about a little bit more about your dating history and how long second part of that, and I'm known for my compound questions, but part one, dating history, and then at what point did you discover that you were dating your unresolved issues? Okay, um, let's see, It's it, it really started, so I got married at 22, which is way too young to get married. Um, and I didn't really know myself, I had very low self-esteem, and I was in that relationship for a really long time. So coming out of that with two kids, having tried everything to make that work, and, and knowing it wasn't a good fit, and it didn't need to work, and coming out on the other side of that, it seemed like everyone I dated after that, it was just a troubled relationships and they would end badly and I'd just be left broken. And I kept repeating these cycles of basically like swooping in and like people who needed me, you know, like the rescue thing. Mm -hmm. So I was having that recur a lot um, where it was really out of balance in the relationships and they, they just, they weren't good. I mean, and my friends were looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, what, what, why are you dating these people? And I just kept getting drawn to a little, a little bit of a type like we do. And it didn't go well. And I just had a certain, the last heartbreak was bad enough. And it wasn't just, you know, emotionally bad. It was, it ended up being financially devastating and, you know, I'm a single mom. So it was, got me to this rock bottom point of I cannot do this again and I don't want to do this again and I I am seeing the pattern at that point did you decide to date against type and go for somebody <laughs> no, completely I different? decided I decided for a while not to date and and I've and I've been there a couple of times where I would just say you know I'm just not going to date for a while like I would get on online dating and I would oh, it's it's so rigorous and it's exhausting right and you know, you just see all of these, you know, terrible, terrible types out there, kind of a little bit of a disaster online sometimes. So I would come back out of that thinking this isn't for me. Like I'm stressed out. I'm not enjoying dating. So I would take breaks and I would just focus on myself. And the last time after the last relationship, I was, I just decided that I wanted it to happen organically or not at all. And that if I was going to be single for the rest of my life, then that was going to be fine. And I was going to make it fine because I was going to put all of that energy that I had focused on dating into myself and into mm -hmm. the life that I wanted to build. And of course, you know, it's the age old story. As soon as you do that, you meet somebody. That's that's how that works. Yeah, yes, it does. And you never know when that's going to happen. But I, I, you and I are like sisters from another mister because I, too, dated my low self-esteem and my codependency and my family issues and my poor boundaries. 
And yes, they kept showing up in the form of the people that I dated. By the way, I just want to say before we get go further into the article, because that's what we're going to do, you're going to tell us, I'm going to talk about the article and you're going to give us some response. But it doesn't stop just because you stop dating. I mean, everybody brings their shadow. Even if, you know, married, marriage, uh, we all have a shadow. We all have to confront it. We bring it with us everywhere we go, as I said um, at the beginning of this show. And it's a never-ending um, journey, I would say, right? It's sort of a, we're all work in progress. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so, I'm sorry, go ahead, Crystal. No, that's, uh, that's, what I, that's what I found. And I found even being in my first really healthy relationship is that you keep stumbling on those issues because they didn't go away. It's not like I resolved them all and then I met someone. It's that I'm aware of them all and then I met someone. So that's, you know, it's different. You, now I just address them. So how do we avoid dating our unresolved issues? And I'm going to tell the audience the one thing you suggest is that we work out our issues with self-help or therapy rather than addressing them in our relationships. What say you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, you know, you can't work out your self-esteem in a relationship. A, a lot of people think that you can, you know, like you're going on to online dating for an ego hit and you're looking for someone to, you know, tell you you're attractive and tell you that you're interesting and fill that hole in your life. And so, and you feel good while they're doing it. And then when that's withdrawn, you feel rejected and you're back in that low self-esteem place because it never went away. So it's not an effective way of getting those needs met. It's superficial. Uh, it doesn't work like that way. So by, you know, grabbing self-help books and really being self-aware of what your issues are and the cycles that you're repeating in your relationships. Um, and, and I, like, I'm a former therapist, so I will always recommend therapy mm -hmm. uh, as to have, uh, to have an outside look at your relationship patterns and see the things that you may not be seeing. But that self-awareness is so key. Oh, it's so key. And also having the courage to seek help. Absolutely, because there are so many stigmas still surrounding mental health. Like there's a, like you're crazy if you go and see a therapist or that there's something wrong with you or that you're broken and you need to be fixed rather than being a person who's just decided that you don't want to repeat whatever toxic cycles you've fallen into from your family or from your relationships and just that you've decided that you want to make changes. Um, and so the stigma is still there. So a lot of people don't get the help they need. Crystal, were you a practicing therapist when you were going through this yourself? I was when I was married. I was a practicing therapist and I, um, it, it didn't end up being a good fit. I feel like I chose careers like I chose men, um, <laughs> that it was still meeting some kind of unresolved need. And so I ended up getting, you know, getting out of that career, but I took so much of that with me from being able to objectively see, you know, people would come in with their family issues or their relationship issues and they couldn't see the patterns that were so obvious to everyone else. It's hard to see when you're in it very hard it, it it does take a little bit of a ass kicking from the universe right. i i highly re recommend a very good horrible <laughs> heartbreak if that's what you need sometimes it takes that i agree i think we've all experienced that and i think we it's the worst thing in the world to go through but you do come out stronger if you if you can see your way through it well that's the whole thing is learning from it learning from it and not repeating it, which I did. I repeated, I was a repeat offender. And Same. yeah, right. <laughs> and I, but I am so about uh, 
fixing myself. I'm, that's what I do for a living. So it and was, others. Yeah, that's where the codependency comes in. But after every breakup for me, I, I went to hypnotherapy. Oh, yeah. I found a great guy here in L.A. who, because I, I needed, like, emotional triage. I mean, I needed it immediate. I needed to stop the bleeding. I couldn't, I didn't want to sit on a couch for months and months and months and figure it out. And I will say this about hypnotherapy. If you find the right person, it really speeds up the process. It really expedites the healing and the, the, the self-discovery. So, and I was like, I had so many brutally tough breakups. And wow, did I learn a lot. But this show isn't about me. Since when? <laughs> well, at a certain point, you get tired of getting your ass kicked out there. You don't want that anymore. You don't want another breakup and just like bracing yourself every time you go into a new relationship. It's exhausting. Honey, why did you have so many bad breakups? Why Why didn't you learn this sooner? What happened that it took you so many bad breakups before you came out of the other side? Uh, that is an excellent question. Uh, you didn't. You were re- repeating patterns. I, I think I wanted it so badly to work out, and when it didn't, I was crestfallen and soul-crushed. And, uh, and the, the whole rejection, you know, that thing, which that's part of my... Sh- Can we just get really personal here in front of our... Sure. No one's listening. Thousands and thousands <laughs> of listeners. My shadow figure is very sensitive to rejection, so that that's my job. That's my work. In this current life, in this even as I speak, it is big for me, rejection. Not abandonment, but a kind of secondary abandonment, but I would say rejection was very tough for me. I don't know where that came from. Maybe I don't know. It, you know, no one likes it. Maybe I, I anyway. Okay, moving on. May I? Please. Okay, Crystal, you say yeah. that, okay, we can learn from our dating patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like how you've recognized that the rejection is so hard for you, but you would still go through the same patterns of relationships and end up back being rejected again. And and for me, it was abandonment. It was, it was things like that, but I was choosing people who were always going to leave, you know, choosing people who would tell me up front if they didn't want a relationship and I would hear what I wanted to hear. Right. Very, very common. Or I would interpret it in a different way, you know, like it meant something else. So there are so many ways to do that. Um, but if we can if we can see our pattern, we can do something about it. But as long as we just think that we're dating, you know, because they're different people and they have different names, they look different, that we're not dating the same person. We can't break those cycles. So being really self-aware of like what issue that is that we're continuing to work out. And if we can if we can see that, we can do something about it. But as long as we're pretending like it's not happening and just staying in total denial and then just falling for the next person that's just like that, we, we keep going back there. So being able to pinpoint what it is we're trying to get from those relationships, then it's kind of this red flag that sends up the next time we, we, we do it. Well, that's, that's why dating is a mirror. And it's so important to keep looking at yourself and who you are and not just who you are look at your as you say you can learn a lot from your dating patterns and partners okay so is your partner your mirror 
like in a good relationship in any relationship is that the mirror that you probably should be looking at is your partner because if the partner is evolved and arrived and settled and a, a a good person that's a mirror on you I think, isn't it? If you're able to be in a healthy relationship with that person. Well, yeah. You. How about turning the mirror to your partner? Uh, how about that? And taking a hard look at their values, their uh, goals, their intentions, what their desires are. That you are you even on the same page? Are you even on the same wavelength? I mean, that was my problem. I could not like get it. Like I couldn't find. At the, at the, it was like right guy, wrong time, wrong time, right guy. Hit, miss, hit, miss, hit, miss. False start, false start. That was, that's the story of my life. And I, I didn't take enough, you know, you're right. It was denial because I did see it. I did see that they were unavailable. But, you, you know. You stayed with it. Knucklehead over here thought, fix. A, I can fix them. Yeah. B, mm-hmm. I will love them so much that they will change their minds. Right. C, right. I will, I don't know. I don't know who I thought I was. That I could well, you do tell it. yourself that it's going to work out. You believe what you want to believe. Yes. Hmm. Okay. You, you want to believe it's going you, to work and out. You, oh, you want you, to believe it so much. But you, with those red flags show up early, and you probably should heed those warnings more than you did. Uh, well, and a, big, yeah. a big part of that is mistaking, you know, love and attachment. You know, you get attached to someone, so you want to make it work, even though it's obviously the wrong person for you. That happens a lot. Okay, so do we have time? No, we are going to a break. Okay. Oh, I have so much to talk about. I'm That's okay. Sweating. We will have more. We have more segments. It's very hot we, here. It, it's warm. It's a hot day today. In LA, it's a hot. It's very. I don't know. Is it hot. me? I'm having a hot well, flash. No, it's. Crystal I'm, is. Uh, I'm I feeling it too. You're making, it, you're making me hot, girl. It's yeah. It's like a furnace outside <laughs> today. Okay, we are taking our, our second break, and we will be right back with more from Crystal Jackson. And we are back with Crystal Jackson. So Crystal says we can learn from our relationships. Instead of playing the blame game after a relationship ends, we can figure out what the lesson was inside the relationship. Is that right? And how do you do that? How do you find the hidden lesson? Uh, Well, that one for me was, you know, just when you're mired in that heartache, you know, and you're just crying all the time and you're not functioning the way that you usually do and you're stuck in the past. You know, it can be easy to just get, you know, get stuck there. I mean, that's the thing. You get stuck um, in all of that grief. And what I what I began to do is kind of dissect the relationship and look at all of the things that weren't that the things that weren't right, but that I accepted for whatever reason, you know, attachment or love. Um, and so I really sat in that and just looked because I, I feel like there's all these, you know, hidden jewels inside these relationships, even the worst ones. We learn something about ourselves. And sometimes the thing that we learn is what we don't want in the next relationship. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a gift because you've just figured out not to date a particular you know, type or, a, or not to date a, a particular habit or whatever was in that. Um, and I think that's powerful information. Sometimes you do figure out things that you did want, but a lot of it is just that mirror reflecting back, like you said, of seeing things about yourself that's maybe not so pretty. I just decided, and we joke in my relationship now, like I've just decided I'm neurotic. Like I overthink and I overthink my overthinking. Mm. And so in an unhealthy relationship, I can fall into that vortex and like assume all kinds of things. That's also something you have in common with Trevor. Right. See, I'm in telling a healthy you, relationship, think, yeah. you can talk about it because it's a safe place to do it. Okay. So when you 
are acknowledging something that you are seeing in yourself that you don't like, what's the immediate steps that you can take to arrest it and correct it? For me, I'm always a, I'm, I'm always practical. So if I see, for example, that I overthink, I don't just believe everything that I think. I don't believe every thought that just pops up into my head because that's the feeling I have and that's the thought that I have. I don't just follow it and believe it. I try to tell myself, like, what's the reality? What's going on right now? A lot of that is, you know, grounding and mindfulness and being really present in your body and, and kind of following where those sensations are. Um, like, I get a lot of anxiety and it's always around my stomach. It's just the way, you know, it's like my stomach will churn. I'll feel sick, you know. So I, I trace those. So I, I kind of get into where my body is. But then I try to think, like, is this a real thought or is this something that I'm thinking because of past times that I've been hurt? In an unhealthy relationship, you'll see like when you, you know, maybe I go into the overthinking cycle and then I'll be like, no, there's a real cause for concern here. And I need to, that means I need to do something about it. So really dissecting if this is coming from the actual present reality or if it's coming from one of those wounds that I'm just carrying forward. And I think determining that kind of determines what you do next, whether you can have that conversation of like, I'm, this is the things that I'm thinking and I know it's not true, but I, this is the experience I'm having or realizing that it's a red flag and you need to do something about it. Yeah, it's really hard to d- to uh, distinguish sometimes between what's real, what's a real f- what's real or what's like an imaginary f- fear. I call it dating PTSD. Yes. Sometimes Absolutely. do you is it real? Is it or is it just, you know, your mind fucking with you? Is it just, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, that's the thing. I go into this rabbit hole and it's all of these fears. And, and, and like I said, I do it now. You know, I mean, my boyfriend says I'm neurotic. Like he, like he knows. He doesn't call me neurotic. I call me neurotic because I know that it's true that I'll get in these moods and I think all of these things. And I'm thinking it based on all of the times that I've been hurt. And I just have these, like how you'll have these crazy fantasy scenarios in your head of things that could happen. Like I've already told him, we've had our first argument. He didn't have to participate. It was all in my head. Mm-hmm. I saved him the trouble. He didn't even have to show up for it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it worked out fine. I, I so understand. <laughs> Wait, you. I want to. I want to. I want to get more from that. So you think ha- I'm joking. I'm serious. No, I believe you. And was he was he present in the room when you were having this argument with yourself? Or what? No, no. Well, we have a we have a long distance relationship, which has been interesting. But no, I just had this day, and I had this whole thing in my head, and I you know went through this whole scenario, and then I told him about it after because we have this agreement. We talk about all these things we didn't in other relationships, and, and I told him, and he was like, "Well, do I you know do can you tell me the details? Like, what did we argue about? What did I do?" And I was like, "No, you don't. You know, you don't need to be present for all that. Like, I had it in my head, and and it worked out." So we can just, you know, cross that off our relationship checklist. Like we've had our first fight, you know, you didn't do so well, but then it was fine. You know, he just laughs at me, but, but it's true in a way. Like you kind of do those things in your head when you are a chronic overthinker. Would he think that was a first fight or is he still (laughs) entitled to having a first fight because he wasn't really participant in that one? You know what? He, um, he has had his share of, of rough relationships. So he's fine with that. If I want to count that as our first fight, he's going to let me like, he's not eager to, to get to that point. Okay. Uh, Cause so far we've just been, we address everything so head on that it hasn't really been a concern, but you know, he, um, I think he has a better understanding of, of how I work after that. But the thing is, is in a past relationship, I would never have told someone I dated that story. Like I would never tell them that I even had those thoughts. And with, with him, he knows me so well. Like I can have that conversation. That's a safe place to do it. 
and we can laugh about it. But but the thing is, is I saw that it wasn't a real argument. It wasn't real fears. It was just my past, you know, creeping back up on me. So following up on that, um, let's talk about feedback because mm-hmm. you mentioned that and it can be very powerful. Uh, how do we communicate our fears? And this is something I'm dealing with. So help me out here, sister, because I come to this marriage, we got married at 51 and 57. So you can only imagine the amount of baggage (laughs) that we bring to this. Maybe not so much Robbie, but I own my shit. And, you know, there's a part of me that it's very freeing for me to communicate and express my fears and all the stuff that's been in my head all these years. But then there's a point where I go, "Uh uh-oh, Maybe I shouldn't be so open and honest because I don't want him to think I'm, you know, fucking nuts. Right. That's that's a very real fear. And I do that. I tend to go through like a 24 to 48 hour overthinking spiral sometimes, depending on what it is and depending on how deep that particular hurt is. But we but I always talk about it in the end, because that's like I said, that's what we really agreed to in the beginning is really being upfront and doing this relationship different than what we've had in the past. And so I tend to kind of go into that vortex for a little while of really being stuck there and having the anxiety that if I tell him like, I mean, he, you know, I joke that I'm neurotic, but, you know, no one really wants to look that way. You don't want your partner to think that you're crazy and that you're not worth the trouble. So I would really think about that and process that feeling before I can talk to him about it. But I do consistently talk to him about it. I may, I may not give him every detail of every crazy thought I've had, but I talk about the fact that I get into those cycles and that I worry, you know, I have these abandonment issues. I worry about being left. I worry about someone getting tired of me. Um, I worry about being too much or mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. fact that in the past, my writing was a problem for certain people. Mm-hmm. And he's a writer, so he understands where that is and the fact that I'm going to write about personal things and sometimes it's going to include him and and what that's like. Do you guys, I'm sorry, uh, mm -hmm. do you guys talk about past relationships with each other? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in his past relationships, he couldn't talk about those things because of, you know, jealousy or whatever issues. And in mine, it was the same. It was like past relationships could never be brought up. Hmm. Because of the partner you were with, but not because you weren't comfortable with that? Yeah, it was mostly, in my experience, bringing it up would make the other partner jealous or resentful, or they just didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want that person mentioned at all, and it didn't matter who it was. It was any any mention of a previous partner seemed to cause a reaction. And so we both had that, and so I think we're we're both when we share something we kind of wait for the other person's reaction because we're not it's still early enough we're not really sure what that reaction is going to be but it's it's always been consistently like this is a a safe space to talk about whatever we need to we're not reacting in jealousy we don't care that you had a you know life before you know like i'm divorced he's divorced you know we had a life before right it's i think it's so interesting because i i think it's a young thing when that when you're younger i think you tend to be possibly a little more jealous of not wanting to know about past relationships that were more recent. But here we are, you know, 50s, 60s, and I'm okay finding out past relationships that you had because whatever it was, it led you to me. And oh, yeah. I, I can't, how unhappy can I be? And that, that's why we hear about people that get in fights 
when a past relationship is brought up, the man is, he can't handle it. And I'm going to break up with you because of what happened 25 years ago in your life. What? Is that really happening? That doesn't make any sense. Well, so, because oftentimes I think it's used, it's a weapon. It's weaponized, you know, it, to to oh. make someone jealous or I don't know. I, I think that's um, more of a mani- manipulative thing and a jealousy and an insecurity thing than anything. I, or is, is, it, is it a guy actually taking advantage of that conversation to get out of something also because of his own insecurity? I don't know. But I think... Uh, I, when I hear about stuff like that, because we have heard about things that guys get really bent out of shape, or I guess women too, yes. uh, when a past relationship is brought up. Of course. Or I just Look, don't understand. I, it, it makes you who you are. You know, that's how I feel, especially at this age. You don't get to this age without some, you know, scars, some battle scars. Well, and a lot you know, of times you need you need to work out those issues to meet the right person. Like you need to be able to go through all those bad relationships. Of course, work it, that out and figure out your issues, so that you can meet the right person. So it's like just grateful at the end of that. Well, okay, but that being said, these bad relationships are really not preparing you for a good relationship, are they? They really aren't. Well, the problem with that is the bad relationships teach you how to be in a bad relationship. So your, all your reactions are based around having been in unhealthy relationships. So you take, you know, all of that, like not being able to mention, you know, an ex or, you know, any past relationship, you take that fear and you carry it forward. So you don't really learn how to be happy and you don't learn what, like, what healthy looks like, which is why it's so important to, you know, to, to talk to a therapist or even, you know, talk to your friends, like your friends always see your dating patterns before you do. Because they're talking about you because, you know, they sit around like, why are you doing that? Right. So that's what I was saying. You know, feedback is really powerful. But how often do you really listen to your friends when you're involved with a relationship that you are involved in? Sometimes you can't say a word. You can't bring it up. Because they will hate you for it and you run the risk of ending your friendship over it. And everybody but you knows how bad that relationship is or how unhealthy it is, but they can't tell you about it because that will create friction between you and your friends. Yes. Because what's, what's your saying? You never want to get between... A guy and her girl. Like uh, a girl and her his guy. <laughs> <laughs> you never want to get in between a, a girlfriend and her guy. Because you will lose. Well, and going in for the, my last really bad relationship, I asked all my friends at the beginning of it, like, tell me. Because they, they knew my marriage was bad, and they didn't want to say anything. And so after that, I was like, when I'm dating someone, I want you to be brutally honest. Because sometimes I don't see it. I'm too close to it. I don't see it. And so I had, I had a group of friends tell me this guy was just great, and they didn't see any problems. And the moment we broke up, they opened their mouths, and all of this came pouring out. And I'm like, that's really helpful information at the start of the relationship when I was asking for that feedback. So it um, it was really, you know, it's really powerful when you have friends that you can trust to be brutally honest with you and that you'll listen to it. But you have to be willing to listen. Yes, you do. So especially when Robbie tells me that we're going to a break we, and I don't and, and I don't listen to him. Which <laughs> you're very good at. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. You are getting better. Well, here we are, 65 shows in, and you are getting better. <laughs> love that it only took 65 shows okay. to to wow. listen <laughs> so we are going oh, to a break right me. now and it's our last break so oh my god no way this is just flying by so crystal we'll be right back with more crystal jackson and we are back 
with Crystal Jackson. Crystal Jackson says that we can stop dating our unresolved issues by empowering ourselves to change. Instead of waiting around, hoping our partners will change or expecting our dates to be what we need, we can empower ourselves to change. Please elaborate. Wow. That was the most powerful thing for me coming out of a divorce and and a lot of really bad relationships was I felt disempowered. You know, sometimes the endings, they were, they were never what I would choose. Like you don't ever want to go out and get your heart broken, but being able to say that there's something that I can do about this and I can, and I can empower myself and I can step into this and kind of own my personal agency and say, I don't have to go through this again. Um, or at least learn this lesson. So I don't have to repeat the same one again. And for me, it was really, it was really powerful to realize that it wasn't all about what the other person wanted. I had a lot of choice in that. And so I had to start stepping into that, which meant saying no. Like sometimes with dating, there'd be people that, you know, you're attracted to and you're kind of interested in, but the red flag would come up. And instead of continuing and ignoring it, I realized that I had had choices and I could start saying no and stop wasting my own time. And that was really powerful for me because I went from feeling really helpless about dating to realizing I could just not date. I mean, that was an option. I didn't have to go out with anyone that just asked me. I could take time for myself. Like I could kind of step away from that process if I needed to and wait for the right person rather than just any person. And there's a lot of power in being able to own those decisions. Yes. So I have a question for you then, Crystal. How do you date against type? How are you able to stop being attracted to what has always attracted you and try something new just because what you've been attracting and what you've been attracted to is not working. I think I stopped. I had a, you know, like many women had a bad boy complex. That was a thing for a long time. Like men who really needed me um, and were really dependent on me and needed, they wanted rescuing and fixing and, you know, codependence and just step up and, you know, and then provide that for them. And when I got to the point where I just didn't want to repeat these terrible relationship cycles, I stopped being attracted to that. When I would have some man on online dating tell me about how lonely he was and how bored and like his whole life revolved only around like the next hookup or the next date, I didn't find that attractive anymore. I was like, you don't have any interests or hobbies or anything to say. Like you, I, I stopped thinking. You mean you thinking. actually did think that was attractive at one point? At one point I would have thought, oh, they need me. You know, mm-hmm. and they, they want to spend all this time talking to me. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have seen it as being a, a really big issue. I would have made a lot of excuses for why it wasn't when it you know clearly is. So seeing that kind of neediness didn't yeah. do the same thing for me anymore because I was like, oh, no, like I have two I have two kids. I don't need a I don't need a grown man to raise, too. Yeah, uh, a, that's a, not a, a, a lot of people confuse neediness for love. Right. And, and, and it's easy to do when you get attached or, and you're attracted and you, you don't want to be alone anymore. You know, it's like, you just don't want to have that. You want to have the healthy relationship you see other people in. So you tell yourself this person is going to be it, but then these red flags pop up. So I guess for me, it wasn't, I don't know that I necessarily had like a, a physical type or any of that. I really went in for people who needed me. It wasn't that they just chose me, they needed me. And then they wanted me to come in and, and save them and make their life better. 
uh, while detracting from mine and my quality of life. Right. So finding an equal partner became a priority for me and that I would right. being alone was preferable to anything else. Yeah, well, I always say, you know, take that energy that you would otherwise spend trying to fix people and use it productively for yourself. And whoa, you will be stronger, better, smarter, more successful. Uh, I see it all the time. Um, also, the beautiful part about taking responsibility for yourself and empowering yourself to change is that it prevents you from becoming a victim. Right. Absolutely. Because then it's not, and it's not everyone else's fault. Like you can play that blame game and say, well, you know, this person was awful and this other person was a cheater and you can make all of these stories. But in the end, we chose to date those. We chose them. We did not have a gun to our head forcing us to to date the, the the serial cheater or the unavailable person or the hot mess or the you know I, you know name it no we we have full full responsibility we have free will you know the question you have to ask yourself is why is this appealing to you what part of this is attractive and that may take a while i had to go through a series of those kind of broken types before I finally turned a corner, and I did. It took forever, but it did. Do you have a comment you want to make before? Well, there was, you know, I, I, it's kind of crude, though. Is it okay? Yeah. You know, because I think that guys also are superficial, and they date the type they are attracted to. You just can't help but when you're attracted to somebody, that's who you want to pursue but if those pursuits don't pan out after repeated tries and attempts and failures you have to go against that and there i remember there was a a conversation i had and with with a friend of mine a musician friend and we were saying you know there's miles of pussy that's just out there and you know not getting touched and this is something that you really should be looking at because these poor women, they're, they're beautiful, actually, but you got to get to know them, and you got to find out what's there beneath the surface. It might not be the most super thing you're, you're interested in superficially, but, you know, go out with them. Find out who they are. They may be the most, you know, funny, uh, gregarious, intelligent woman you've ever been with, and you may have a connection that you've never had with anybody else, so uh, it's okay. Try it. Yes, with the caveat, though, that you, you pick people, I, I'll say it, I say it all the time, water seeks its own level. So, you know, if you're healthy, if you're a stable genius, uh, you will be, you will attract, you know, like-minded, stable geniuses. You know what I'm, say, I'm <laughs> saying? It, and so it's, uh, it really is... Wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, and when you're when you're dating because you're lonely, you attract loneliness sometimes, and not necessarily yes. all the other qualities you might want to attract. You're just attracting that like sense of desperation. Have you noticed that? Of course, of course. If you have poor esteem, poor self esteem, low self worth, yes. if you're codependent, you will. They smell it a mile away. I don't care if you're a man or woman. People pick that up, and they and they. You know, for every what's the saying? For every pot, there's a lid. Right. You know. Oh yeah. For every pot, there's a lid. You know, the uh, the holes in her, the rocks in his head fit the holes in hers. I mean, there's a million ways of saying it. 
you know, the key is to, as we say, we, we, you know, hammer it home. And we did in this, in this episode, self-awareness, looking at yourself, turning the mirror towards you and to the person you're with to see, is this person worthy of me? Am I healthy? Is this person healthy enough for me? That's where it begins. And then you can start kind of experimenting out there in the world with different types and who knows maybe maybe like the nice decent stable kind of boring person is the the best thing you could ever have maybe then when you get healthy then you will your tastes change that's what I find well and I don't think like I don't ever advocate for people to settle I don't think that you do settle I think when you meet the right person you're not settling because they they are the person that you want but for me, like I would have never considered a long distance relationship up until the one that I'm in now. And for me, that the distance would have been a block. Um, and so having to consider something that I normally wouldn't because the person was so right was really important. It was a really big step for me because normally I say I don't do long distance relationships. So maybe someone else says, you know, I don't I don't date this age group or this type of person, you know, it's like we give ourselves these limits around who we can fall in love with. And then, and we're just, you know, narrowing, you know, the, the number of people we could date because we've already decided that without getting to know them. So I don't think that we ever settle. I just think that sometimes it's a different, it's allowing more options. Yes. I, I, yes. We have to, we we have to wrap up our show. Unfortunately, Crystal, how can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at crystaljacksonwriter.com and at crystaljackson on medium. And Great. then uh, my first book is out in the fall. So Left on Main is already available for pre-order on Amazon right now. So we, it's the first in a series of four. And it's my first fiction. Oh, congratulations. Uh, and we didn't even get into the demisexuality part of your life, which is kind of Next episode. Okay, Crystal, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful segment. This has been great. Just great. It's all my favorite subjects. Thank you, honey. Your your hands are sweating. I'm sweating. I'm telling you, this (laughs) this whole episode has made me sweat. A little clammy, but I love you. I love you so much. I love you too. I'm so done being single. Oh, you know. (laughs) Yes. Do we we have a vomit? Do we have a... No. We should have a, a throw up. Yeah. A throw up sound. No, effect there's after no throw up. The romantic music. Why would I? You know. Okay. okay. Time to go. Uh, everybody have a great week, and we will see you next week on Done Being Single. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single. <laughs> <laughs>